How many believe that He lives? He does live. Whether you believe it or not, hopefully before you get out of the service, you'll believe it. Amen? Because He lives. He lives, the Bible says, to forever make intercession. For who? For you and me. He's on high, the right hand of the throne of the Father, making intercession for you and I. That's a good feeling, amen? To know that when you don't even feel like praying for yourself, Jesus is already there doing it. That doesn't mean you're off the hook, amen? <laughs> Still have to pray. Well, good morning. You all look wonderful today. Turn to your neighbor and say you look wonderful, even if they don't. Don't take it too far, though, okay? Well, let me ask you a question as we get started today. How many remember the Seinfeld show? Anybody remember that good old show? That television sitcom that ran for, I think, nine years on NBC, 1989 to 1998? It was often described as a show about nothing. A show about nothing, because about every episode was about nothing. About the minutia of everyday life, you might say. How many remember the episode where George and Jerry go into the network uh, executives and they try to promote this show about nothing. George starts arguing about this show. What's it about? It's about nothing. Doesn't have a storyline, doesn't have a plot. Well, needless to say, the executives aren't so impressed. They don't like it at all. And George does what George does best. He loses it. I mean, he snaps on these executives. He says, look, if you guys want to keep on doing what you're doing, Maybe this show isn't for you. And he says, and besides that, he says, uh, I'm not going to compromise my artistic integrity for you guys. As a matter of fact, the show is what it is, and we're not going to change it for anyone. Jerry's over there, shut up, George, shut up. Shut up, George. After that, Jerry blasts George. He says, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? What was going on in that little pea brain mind of yours? What was going on? Artistic integrity... Where'd you come up with that? You're not artistic, and you have no integrity, amen? <laughs> I love that show. A show about nothing. Well, today I said all that to set up this message series because it's a series about nothing. You might say, well, it's going to be short. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a series about nothing. Today, this series is based on a book in the Bible whose whole subject is nothing. Its main theme actually is nothing. And matter of fact, the key word through the whole book in the Bible is the word nothing. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. Anybody ever heard of the book of Ecclesiastes? It's in the Old Testament. It was written by a man in his old age, near his death, who the Bible actually describes as one of the richest and one of the wisest men that ever lived. This guy had it all. This guy had everything and more that you can even imagine his name, and some of you know it, King Solomon. King Solomon. He was the son of David and Bathsheba, in case you didn't know that. Bathsheba being the wife of Uriah, uh, who's, uh, who was a, a military general on the battlefield for David that David had murdered on the battlefield to cover up his affair with Bathsheba and to cover up the fact that she had gotten pregnant. Well, Solomon comes along, the second son in line, but he comes along, and as he grew up, he had power, he had riches, he had honor, he had God's favor on his life, and without a doubt, he lived a most lavish lifestyle. He took on a harem of many wives, and when I say many, 
700 wives, 300 concubines. Let me just say that. That's a whole lot of mother-in-laws. Amen? <laughs> I've got one. and Oh, she's lovely. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway, these wives led to Solomon's spiritual demise, his decline, because they actually led him away into their idolatrous ways. They led him away to worship their false gods in that day. So after a lifetime of experience, and I'll just say not so good experience, Solomon writes this book, I believe, to reveal to people anywhere and everywhere in any age a lesson that we all need to learn and it's this, if you don't catch anything else, catch this, everything is nothing apart from God. Everything is nothing apart from God. And in case you're wondering what made Solomon such an expert on, well, everything, well, listen, God had something to do with it. Listen to what it says in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. It says, that night God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you, th what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Can you imagine that? This is God having a conversation with Solomon, and he's basically handing him a blank check, saying, name it and claim it. He's saying, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Just ask, and it'll be yours. How many have ever played that three wishes game, where you say, if you had three wishes, what would they be? We probably all played that, especially as kids. Our first wish, of course, is I get 100 more wishes, amen? But we played that, wish, that wishing game, but the thing is, usually we ask for riches, right? We want to be rich. Sometimes we want to have a new house, we want to have a new car, we want to be married to that supermodel. You know what I'm saying, guys? Don't you know what I'm saying, guys? <laughs> but nobody would ask for what Solomon asked for. Look what Solomon asked for in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10. He's talking to God, and he says, Give me wisdom and knowledge, God, that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? And I love God's response. Look at verse 11. God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. God doesn't stop there. Check this out. He says, and I will also give you wealth, possessions, honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will ever have. So God gave him, I'm looking at it, as he gave him the very wisdom of heaven, along with everything else, but he gave him the wisdom of heaven in, on such a degree and such a level that people were coming from all over the world, not just from Israel, but all over the world to get the advice of Solomon because of his great wisdom. The only problem with Solomon was, though, that he didn't take his own advice. He didn't even follow the very words that he was advising. He took a detour from his own spiritual life, got on the road of power, possessions, pleasure. And the result of that kind of living, actually, is how we get this book about nothing, Ecclesiastes. This is a book that also declares how Solomon doesn't necessarily live a happily ever after. Amen? It'll show you that in the uh, weeks to come. Solomon, if you don't know anything about him, he actually wrote three books in the Bible. Did you know that? The first one he wrote was the Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, which was about romance. It's kind of embarrassing to read uh, the Song of Solomon sometime. 
It's a book of romance that he wrote as a young man. The second one was the book of Proverbs, if you didn't know he wrote that. It's about, uh, uh, he wrote this about a whole bunch of rules when he was living at his peak and walking with God day after day in every way. And then the third one, the one that we're going through on this series is Ecclesiastes, which I'll just call, because scholars call it this, it's his book of regrets. It's Solomon's book of regrets. He's written, he writes it as an old man when he finally learns the hard way that without God, nothing matters. Without God, nothing matters. It's all hemp, uh, hollow. It's all empty without God. I think the whole tragedy of Solomon's life that had all the wisdom, more wisdom than anyone else, was that he didn't heed his own words. He didn't follow his own guidelines, his own advice. That began a horrible downward spiral in his life. If you know anything about the book of Ecclesiastes, it's negative. It's pessimistic. It's kind of like Solomon decided to write it on Mondays, right? I mean, having a bad day, Solomon. Every time I read one of his scriptures, I'm thinking, having a bad day, Solomon. But throughout the entire book, and this is for a purpose, throughout the entire book, we're going to find lots of practical wisdom and advice to keep us from going down the same road that Solomon went down. The same road that Solomon went down because without God, things don't go well. Without God, things don't really matter in the scope of the bigger picture. Without God, things are nothing. The world actually means nothing. Our life actually means nothing. Absolutely zip in the scope of eternity. Bottom line is, I think this is a warning. Solomon gives us a warning that if you think anything and everything under the sun, and by under the sun, if you think anything and everything that this world has to offer is the answer to every problem you have in this world, you're going to have a, heart, a lot of heartache and a lot of heartbreak in life. How many ever heard of Rick Warren? Anybody ever heard him? He wrote, actually, the second best-selling book of all time next to the Bible, believe it or not, The Purpose Driven Life. Anybody ever heard of that? Probably all of us have heard about that. He wrote that amazing book. Why was it so popular? I think it was so popular because 75% of all people, statistics show, struggle with that concept. What's my purpose in life? So when I think of the book of Ecclesiastes and I think of Rick Warren's book, I think that Ecclesiastes and Solomon's writings could actually be the first draft of that book, could be the whole start of that book. Maybe that was uh, Rick Warren's inspiration. I don't know. But Solomon comes along and he confronts the question right up front in verse 1, even gives us the answer. But look what it says in verse 1, the words of the teacher. Stop here because he calls himself a teacher, someone who teaches, someone who's a leader. The word teacher actually means someone who calls people together to address them, to advise them. That's exactly what Solomon is doing. He's calling the people of God, the Israelites, together to advise them. And you may not realize it yet but he's called you and I together. And through his word today, through his scriptures, he's actually advising us on his experiences and his insights. Let me finish that little uh, phrase there. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, meaningless. And notice the exclamation point. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. He sounds like a broken record. He says, what do people gain from all of their labors at which they toil under the sun? Some translations, I think it's King James says, it's vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. You talk about a Debbie Downer, amen? This isn't somebody that says, hey, I've got a problem with this. Hey, this has no point, this has no purpose. This is the guy that's so down, he's saying, everything stinks. I mean, it's all meaningless. We might come to Solomon and say, you mean even marriage is meaningless? Meaningless. 
You mean even possessions are meaningless? Meaningless. You mean pleasures? Uh, 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 meaningless. Yeah, I left out a word, but you've caught it. He's saying meaningless, meaningless. Everything under the sun, everything on this earth apart from God is meaningless. I'm thinking Solomon needs a hug. Amen. <laughs> Tommy boy moment. Amen. But you can hear, I can hear the pain and frustration in his voice. I can hear the pain and frustration in his very words. I can hear the regret in his words. And keep in mind that he not only starts out this verse with that phrase, everything is meaningless, he actually ends the book with everything is meaningless. Look at chapter 12, verse 8. It's a repeat. Meaningless, meaningless, exclamation point, exclamation point, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. If you know anything about the Hebrew writers of that day, when they wanted to emphasize something, how did they do it? They did it by repetition. So if they ever repeat something in the Word of God more than once, they're doing it for emphasis. It's kind of like our exclamation point. This word is actually used meaningless 38 times in this entire book. Solomon is saying everything is meaningless. Life without God has no purpose. It's a big fat zero. It's nothing times nothing. Do the math equals nothing. Amen? Nothing times nothing equals nothing. The Hebrew word for life literally hooks up with the word vapor. It's because our lives, no matter how long we live, are but a vapor. No matter how long we life they're, live, they're brief in the scope of eternity, and when we're gone, they leave nothing behind. Life doesn't satisfy. It's all vanity. It's kind of like the bubbles that I brought today. Anybody ever blow bubbles? Nobody's ever blown bubbles. I'm going to show you how it's done. Hey, I got a double. I got a triple. Notice how the bubbles are here for a moment. They're still here. Oh, that one's gone. Oh, there's the other one gone. Bubbles are here for a moment. I'm horrible. <laughs> there's one. I got one. Sorry, Nance. My whole point is life is like a bubble. Life is like a bubble. It's here for a moment, and then it's gone. You know, you live 100 years, you might think, well, that's a good long life, and it is on our standards. But in the scope of eternity, it is so brief, it's but a vapor. It is so brief, it's like the Bible says, a blink of an eye, and it's gone. You might say vanity is what le is left over after the bubble of life breaks when it's without God. That's what life is apart from God. It's not that life is brief and short. We all know that. We all know it's brief, and the older we get, the briefer it gets. Amen? But Solomon says it's not only brief, it's pointless. It has no meaning apart from God. Okay, let me put you to the test. Add up all the money you have in your head right now. Just add up all the money. Add up all the stocks and bonds that you have. Add up all the titles to whatever you have. Add up all the possessions that you have. Add up all the promotions that you've ever gotten in your life. Add up all the ladders on the rung of success that you climbed. And in the end, without God, guess what it is? It's a big fat zero. It doesn't even matter without God in your life. So if you live without God and you die without God, Solomon says you have lived and you have died for nothing. And this was a guy that had everything. This is a guy that God allowed him to have everything, to realize in the end of his life that everything without God is nothing. It's a big fat zero. Leonard Wolf was one of the most popular and successful authors and publishers in England. 
He was also married to a very famous woman, Virginia Woolf. Many would have called him the epitome of success. Toward the end of his life, he wrote these words. Listen to these words. He says, I can now see clearly that I have achieved practically nothing. The world today in the history of the human anthill during the past five to seven years would be exactly the same if I had played ping pong instead of sitting on committees and writing books. He says, I have therefore to make a rather ignominious confession that I have in a long life ground through between 150,000 and 200,000 hours of perfectly useless work. What's going on with this guy? He discovered, possibly too late, that apart from God, there's no point to life. So that's why we're in this book of Ecclesiastes. It's a little heavier uh, sermon series than we normally preach, but it's vital. It's vital to life. We're going to see in this book of Ecclesiastes what Solomon has for us to learn today in the generation we live in. But look back when I first started the first verse, or first scripture I read, right after Solomon states the main truth in his book, he makes the main question. Go back to verse 3. He says, what does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? What do you gain for all of your hard work? For all your labors under the sun, first of all, I want to define what that under the sun means. That phrase is used 29 times in this book. He's not talking about things above the sun in heaven. He's talking about things under the sun, ground level, good old planet earth. He's talking about the life we live here on this earth. And I believe Solomon is looking around in the end of his days and he's saying, if this is all that there is, there's no profit to life. If this is all there is, there's no... uh, uh, reason. There's no point to life. So the first point, if you're taking notes I want to make today, is without God, there is no gain or profit in life. Without God, there is no pain or profit in life. The word gain actually reverse, refers to what's left over in a business transaction after all of the expenses are taken out. But Solomon comes along, this wise man, and he says, without God, all of your hard work, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much you've achieved, your net profit is a big fat zero. Without God, your net profit is a big fat zero. Look at verse 4. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. I love what the message translation says for the same verse. It says, one generation goes its way, the next one arrives, but nothing changes. It's business as usual for old planet earth. Things just go on the same day after day. Tony Campalo said it, and I I got a kick out of this. He says, if you ever start to feel proud, just remember that soon after your body has been lowered into the grave, your family and friends will be eating potato salad and telling jokes. (laughs) Sad but true. And you'll be history. You know, when I think about my own family, it's a little embarrassing to say this, but when I think about my great-grandparents... I know that on my dad's side, their last name was Piercy, but I couldn't tell you what their first names were. That's sad to say, but I can't. And I'm even more clueless on what the first names of my great-great-grandparents' names were. And I'm totally clueless of the first names of my great-great-great-great-grandparents. And I'm pretty sure, unless you are a genealogy person, you probably don't have a clue either of their first names. We We know their last names because many times it's our last name. But what am I saying? I'm saying this might be disappointing to some of you, but someday you and I will be a distant thought to our own great-great-grandchildren. Painful to think about, but it's so true. Let me go on with some happier words from Solomon. Listen to this, verse 5. 
The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. What he's saying is it may rain, it may snow, it might sleet, it might hail, it might be a clear day, but every day is the same old story. The sun rises and the sun sets. The sun rises and it goes back to the place where it can rise again. The wind is constantly moving. It's blowing from the northeast, south, and west. But for eons of times, it's blown in the same cycles. He talks about the streams next in verse 7. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. I think Solomon is trying to make the point that life, our life, is a whole lot like that. It's moving in circles. And sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. I think he's saying generations may come and go, people are born, people die, and the next generation steps up and takes its place. Maybe I could simplify it for some of you. By the time the Christmas lights come down, it's time to put them back up again. Amen? That's why some of you leave them up year long. Amen? Year round. Anybody have a treadmill at home? Don't you love treadmills? No, I hate treadmills. I would rather go out and walk any day outside than go to our basement and get on the treadmill. I just would. I mean, think about it. I know for sure that that treadmill can walk at a pace that's faster than my usual walk. I'll just put it that way. But I could crank that treadmill up to where I'm running full blast, sweating bullets, gasping for air, but guess what the kicker is? I'm not going anywhere, amen? I'm in the same old place. <laughs> you know, no matter how much energy I put into it, and no matter how fast I have that setting, uh, that speed setting, I've gone nowhere in the bigger picture. I think that Solomon's saying that about our lives if we're not careful. The sun does the exact same thing day after day. The wind does the same thing day after day. The streams and the oceans do the same thing every day. And just like that, if we're not careful, you and I can get stuck in this vicious cycle of life without God. You do laundry. A couple days later, you do it again. <laughs> Darn it. You mow the grass. A couple days, days later, you mow it again. You pay the bills. The next month, you pay the bills again. You go through Villa Grove, and you get caught by a train. <laughs> An hour later, you're still waiting on that train. Amen? <laughs> Just seeing if you're tracking. <laughs> My point today is with life without God is like spinning your wheels, going, running in circles. It's like actually running a race on a treadmill. How many races are you going to win on a treadmill? You can run uh, with all of your might, with all of your stink, with all of your strength. You can run hard, long, and fast. But if you're running without God, it's all in vain. If you're running without God, it's like running on a treadmill. It's like spinning your wheels. You're not going to get anywhere. The second point, if you're taking notes, when you live your life apart from God. Number two, you live without purpose in your life. If you're living without God, you're living without real purpose in your life. You might think you have some purposes, but the real purpose is missing. Listen to verse 8. Solomon says, all things are wearisome. He doesn't leave anything out. He says wearisome. That's another word for boring, actually. All things are wearisome more than one can say. The eye has the eye never has enough seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What's he saying? We're never satisfied. Have you noticed that, how easily it is for us to get bored in the world we live in, the life we live? 
No matter how much you see, no matter how much you hear, we're never satisfied. We're restless. And did you ever dream that one day we would have over 500 channels to watch on television and still not find anything worth watching? Amen? All these channels to watch. I read the other day a statistic that said in the average person's life, they will change the channel 350,000 times in their lifetime. I'm thinking, heck with that, some of you do that every week, amen? <laughs> We're always searching for more. We're always out there buying the new and latest and greatest. We want new gadgets, we want new clothes, we want new houses, we want new cars. And it does, I have to admit, it brings a little excitement into your life. But does it last? No. When you buy your new, latest, greatest cell phone, oh, you're excited about it until they bring out the next one, amen? And then you're ready to trade that thing in. I think God in the bigger picture has said, people, get a grip. Get a perspective of what life is about. Gadgets are gadgets, things are things. But I have something to offer that you can't even imagine. Because life without Him is nothing. Life without Him is useless. Life without Him is worthless. Life without Him is meaningless. The newness wears off no matter what it is. A trip, a car, a new house, a new husband, a new wife. There's nothing new under the sun that can satisfy you completely. And you know why that is? Because God never created those things to satisfy us. He created Himself, and He created us to only be satisfied by one thing, and that's a relationship with Him. That's a relationship where your heart loves Him with all of your heart. We weren't designed for anything else. Oh, the other things are great, but God's the greatest. Listen to what He goes on to say. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. You know that old saying, the more things change, the more, things they, more they stay the same? It's kind of true. I mean, think about this world. Is there really much new in this world? The truth of the matter is, every element needed to create every invention that we have today, that element just didn't show up. It's been here all the time. We didn't create it. We discovered it. Think about your cell phone calendars. We think that's cool to be able to pull out our cell phones and pencil in something on our calendar. Do you realize calendars were here from the time of the Bronze Age? I mean, it goes back a ways. And how many of you watch the infomercials and you're sitting there thinking, wow, why didn't I think about that? Why didn't I think of that? I'd be a rich man right now. Exactly. There's nothing new under the sun that hasn't been here before. I say all that to say, why is this so important? I think if we don't see the real importance about life, then you're going to be restless. You're going to be unfulfilled in the life that you're living. You're going to be searching for purpose. You're going to be searching for meaning in all the wrong places. You're going to be looking for things. You're going to be looking for people. You're going to be looking for possessions. You're going to be looking uh, for uh, entertainment. But at the end of your days, you're going to be a lot like Solomon. I hope not. But we're going to realize maybe too late without God and without purpose. Life is meaningless. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes 1.11. Solomon says, No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I think he's saying if this world lasts long enough, the people that are living then, they won't even remember that you and I ever existed now. There's no way. No way. And remember, through this whole thing, I've been so far talking about life lived 
in the perspective of living it here on planet Earth. Under the sun. Everything I've said is true only if you live life under the sun and you're living, leaving God out of the picture. All of these things I've said that sound horrible are true because they're in the Word of God, but they're true when you leave God out of your picture. Life is meaningless with God not in the picture. That's about as simple as I could put it. Fame is even fleeting. You know, there used to be a saying of 15 minutes of fame. They've downgraded that, I think, now to five minutes of fame. Amen. <laughs> if it's that long. You break a record, it'll be broken before you get the record written down. Some of you are saying, boy, pastor, this is a happy message. I'm just loving this. I thought church was supposed to be a happy place. This is horrible. I came to church. My wife and I had a great breakfast this morning. We were loving God, praising God. We were talking about how he's putting everything back together in our lives. And we come to church and you say, welcome to church. Everything stinks. Everything's horrible. You might be saying, what's the deal? The only deal today is I want you to understand what Solomon wants you to understand. And even though he wrote this book in the Old Testament and went through what he went through in the Old Testament, everything in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation points to one place, Jesus Christ. Points to Jesus. And Jesus basically, he didn't come to this earth so he could start a new religion. He brought the kingdom. Solomon was talking about the kingdom of God. And he was saying life without God is vanity. Life without God is totally meaningless. The scripture in John 10, 10 that most of us know, I came, Jesus said, that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is really saying, hey, you're living and you're breathing, but you're not living. You're just existing. In me, there's life. Without me, you're existing. You're not really living life. So Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, and not just life, but have it more abundantly to fulfill everything I've created you to fulfill, to be all that I've created you to be. With God, everything changes. Do you realize that? With God, your whole attitude changes. Your hope changes. Your faith changes. Your eternity changes. Your money changes. With God, money can just be money. Money no longer has to control you, be your master. We don't have to have, when you have God, you don't have to have things to acquire a certain social status. Our identity isn't found in our money. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. Money becomes what it is when you're with God. Paper, currency, not your master. We can give it away, we can buy a new house, we can do whatever we want with it, and it doesn't have to own us. But I believe Christ, when we have a relationship with Him, He takes out the futility of life. Amen? He takes out the uselessness, the meaningless of life. He actually takes out the vanity of life and shows us the purpose for life. If we can get to that point where we're looking at Him first instead of everything else, Everything's going to change. Otherwise, life is like running on a treadmill. Running a race on a treadmill. If there's nothing new to life under the sun, then there must be something to life above the sun. When you include God in your plans, He changes everything. Listen to what a man by the name of Ralph Barton said. He said he's one of the top cartoonists of his day. He left this note pinned to his pillow right before taking his own life. He wrote, I have had few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I have gone from wife to wife, from house to house, visited great countries of the world. But he says, but I am fed up with 
inventing devices just to fill up the 24 hours of every day. I think Solomon was at that exact same place. I think we're going to get there someday, some of us. Maybe you're already there. That's why this message is so important. That's why Solomon is actually advising us. He's saying, don't go down the road I went, because it ended up in destruction. He said, get your priorities right today. Think about what is right, not only think about it, but actually take some actions to do it. Because we're only going to find true meaning in our life where we're going and living life under the sun when we look to the one that's above the sun. Amen? When we look to Him for our answers. And I believe by His grace, Ecclesiastes, as negative and pessimistic as it is, can help us find our way to God. And I do hear the pain. I do hear the regret. I do hear the hurt in Solomon's voice and his words. I've never even looked at it from that perspective before. I hear him just ranting and ranting and everything is meaningless. But when I tried to put myself in his shoes to realize he had everything and he basically squandered it, he gave it away. He tossed it out. And I believe the very purpose of God having the book of Ecclesiastes is so that you and I don't make the same mistake. The same mistake. I don't want to make that mistake. I don't want you to make that mistake. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, wow, I could have changed this. I'm sure that Solomon, at the end of his days, without a doubt, had a whole lot of things he could have changed. And he would have changed. And he's desperately telling us, don't go down that road. So this morning, I'm desperately telling you and myself, don't go down that road because it's so tempting to fall in this trap of this world. We have a choice. We can just be another rat in the rat race, running on the treadmill called life, only to find out at the end of your race it was all for nothing. Or we can live a life that has a point to it. Live a life that has a purpose to it. By looking to the one that's above the sun. Living under the sun, but looking to the sun. Amen? Could you stand to your feet this morning? It's our choice. It's yours. It's my choice. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to make the right decision. But after hearing this word and after this series, I think you're going to change your mind. I've changed my mind just preparing for the service and for the series. But I believe God has more plans, greater plans, bigger plans than we could ever imagine. So, Father God, help us, Lord God, to allow this message to sink deep into our hearts. Father, I pray you'd use it to bring real change into our lives. Help us to get off of that treadmill of life that we're walking on that's really going nowhere. And help us to start living life your way. Help us to start, Lord God, living a life that has real purpose, real direction. Lord, may we realize that apart from you, everything is nothing. It's empty, it's meaningless, it's hollow. Lord, you created us for a purpose, and that's your purpose for your glory, and that's for your glory. So help us, Lord, to surrender our will to your will, our ways to your ways, so that at the end of our days, we don't have to look back as Solomon did with regret. Lead us, Lord God, and guide us each step of this journey we call life, and help us to make every move count for you today and forever. In Jesus' name I pray, and if you agree with that, say amen with me. Let's put our hands together and give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful week. God bless you all.